0: Hello and welcome to Quadrivia, the podcast that takes you a step beyond trivia and into the minds of the people who craft it.
1: I'm Jeremy with Liquid Courage Entertainment in Chicago. I'm Jason, who owns Liquid Courage
2: Entertainment in Chicago. And I am Corey with third degree entertainment in Spokane, Washington. And welcome to the episode. Yes, I love how Jason had to just
0: insert the who owns Liquid Courage Entertainment.
1: Well, yeah, the benevolent trivia daddy is benevolent, but is also your daddy. He's got to
2: put you in your place every now and then. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I guess so. It's really it's it's the bonus of ownership. And I think Corey can attest to that. And someday, Jeremy, when you spread your little wings and fly away from me, uh, which I say sarcastically because we all know that's not going to happen. You can understand the joy, too.
2: You know what he's doing right now is what's he doing right now? now? (laughs) He's teaching you how to be a good host. He's he's oh, teaching okay. you where your place is, and he's keeping you in that place. Like I so, see so where we're going buildup. with this. So much I, build up for. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! For, what is we're sixteen if it hadn't episodes taken us in, like
1: a, <laughs> and, and that ranks maybe seventeenth all time on segues into the roundtable discussion.
0: <laughs> hey, out of sixteen episodes, it ranks seventeenth.
1: I said what I, like I said, it. man. That's fair. Uh, this is also real weird for us here in the uh, pseudo studios because for the first time we decided to be smart boys and actually watch each other's facial expressions. We have video enabled, so all I'm staring at is Corey's beautiful darkness. Yeah, I want to read his I, beard. Pretty dark. I here. didn't mean that pause to be pregnant, but I, I was looking for something to compliment in that video screen. Nah, I just
0: I just want to touch the beard and like just play with it.
2: I do want to show you something a little off topic here. And the people listening will get literally nothing out of this, but (laughs) I did install some stream lighting. Oh God, you turned on lights. Now I know what you look like. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. It really is. I'm so
1: glad this is an audio medium.
0: Yep. And uh, in a uh, future episode that we're talking about, but not doing yet, uh, we'll need you to bring that up. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Jason's got the Captain Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are we just oh, showing off oh, various showing bottles off, of liquor we have yeah, handy? Just, yeah, exactly.
2: Because Wait, are you I both see drinking you rum, though,
1: and yeah. I'm all in, buddy. Hold on. Oh hold God, over. you can hear oh, the God. clinking.
0: Oh God, how many bottles of rum do you have?
1: Uh that would be four. four. At a quick grab, I have four distinct bottles of rum in front of me. I am either an alcoholic or a pirate. It depends on whether or not BitTorrent is running on my computer any given day. God, crack is smooth. Hey, this episode isn't about drinking. We did that one. Uh, What is this episode about,
2: Corey? He segues to the segue. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I already announced it, all right? They can just figure it out on their own. Let's... Let's let them do some of the work tonight. <laughs>
1: yeah, this is absolutely quadrivia yeah. after dark. Uh, the main topic and, uh, for our round table.
0: I say that makes it uh, Corey not being a good host by not telling everybody what uh,
1: we're going to be listening to tonight.
2: No, nah, I told him not once. that that's that's kind all of
1: need. host, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You have to remember that that Corey has a very combative nature when it
2: comes to people who like him. Oh, yeah. Because I know that if you like me, there is something wrong with you. That tracks, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. <laughs> that, that might be my third greatest shame. Uh, but
1: as Corey has so desperately attempted to allude to, our roundtable discussion topic today is what makes a good host? Uh, Corey, you have opinions on this. I suppose we can open the conversation with you. What do you
2: think makes a good ever? pub trivia host? fuck I don't know I'm still trying to figure it out (laughs) I I don't know if I'm a good host yet really Um, but what I'm working towards is an ability to keep a bunch of drunk people corralled and entertained and ask them difficult questions without letting them feel too stupid that's what I think a good host does Yeah, that brings up a really valid point there.
1: there, There's a fine knife edge you have to walk between uh, acting like you're the smartest guy in the room and, you know, making everyone feel like a dumb, dumb, stupid head, which let's be honest, is hilarious and a great perk of the job, uh, but not leaning into it too much because then you just straight up piss people off. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And as we talked about on a a previous episode, you don't want to make your whole game like that. Throwing in one or two hard questions a night to really uh, make people think uh, is probably a good idea. But um. Yeah, you're going to lose that room fast if you just ask super hard questions all night long,
1: unless that's what they signed up for. (laughs) Yeah, you hit like a rudder three or four of those and you have lost the room. So definitely, at least to my estimation, one of the key things that makes a good pub trivia host is the ability not only to capture a room uh, when you start the show, but even when things kind of go janky on you to be able to recapture the room and to maintain that energy. And uh something that I like to say as a personal and professional philosophy, a lot these days is lean into the skid, just steer right into it. Sometimes you're going to have a stinker round that everybody hates. Uh, just join them as one of the boo birds and go, we're going to get through this together. Uh, send your hate mail to jeremy.goodson at gmail.com. Uh, this round sucked. I apologize, but I promise you afterwards we'll drink. And I have no idea who that is, so that's fantastic. Please send them your hate
0: mail and tell them how much you hated their pub trivia experience because I tried to get that email address actually at one point, and it's totally taken.
1: Oh, my really? God. I can watch Corey in the video right now actively trying to register that email address <laughs> because that is why we have a Corey. I don't know.
0: Yep, no, uh, like anything with my name, like I don't know how. I don't feel like I have a uh, popular name, but yeah, no, it's all taken, like all of it. So whatever, it is what it is. But yeah, please send them your hate mail. I, I, I think that'd be fantastic.
1: Have you Googled Corey, can you him? check jgiggles at gmail.com for me? <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> but as you can see here, um, I, I think one of the key tenants uh, when it comes to being a good host, and this is something I, and I've brought it up on a previous episode as well. Um, I've seen it a lot in, in the karaoke scene. I've seen a little bit in the trivia scene um, where the host is not only not engaged um, with the crowd at all, but they're just in there with no energy. Like they sit just behind the table and they'll go, all right, question number one, blah, blah, blah. Okay. You have two minutes. Here's some music turning your slip, but like no personality. I'm not saying that that format is necessarily a bad thing where you have music and uh, having people turn in a, a slip, but it's the way that you present it.
1: Yeah. I tend to agree with you on that. Well, one of the biggest criticisms I have, uh, especially for, for some of your more corporate and, Uh, national level brands, not any particular one, but in general that I've seen, at least in our local market, is uh, the hosts are so far removed from the writers and the personalities that kind of built the brand that they don't have a vested interest in kind of repping that brand to their best ability. They're there in some cases for, you know, 50 bucks and a pitcher of beer. And it's an easy two hour gig for them. All they have to do is read questions and grade things semi accurately. And that's their stake in it. And unfortunately, uh, for Corey and me specifically more than, uh, you in this case, we are so attached to our branding that we don't have the luxury of being bad at our jobs because it directly affects our bottom line. Whereas uh, a host who works for a company like you, there is that abstraction, that level of uh, discrepancy between you and the head honcho to where if you personally have a bad night, it's okay because I can always fire you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, that's one way to look at it. And I, I don't want to say that we're shitting on any of the national brands, uh, especially if you're a host for one. Uh, the reason for the show is like, how do you make your show better? How do you make it your own? Um, even if you work for a national brand and you're 10 or 12 people removed from the people that wrote the questions, you can still have fun at your show. You can build the crowd and hey, if there is some kind of built-in contract for like fifty bucks a night, in six months, if you've tripled that crowd size, ask them for a raise. <laughs> like you can have an investment in that show and not um and not be the main writer. I, I luckily have, have the privilege of writing uh my show, which I think gives me that extra investment. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I don't think you have to. I've there's plenty of shows before I started writing it where I used your questions.
1: Yeah, no, you definitely bring up a valid point there and and not to, in fact, we often, uh, quote unquote, shit on bigger companies because, you know, punching up is fun. Uh, but I will point out that one of the bigger companies, uh, one of the bigger names, at least in the American trivia space, Geeks Who Drink, does a pretty good job at sourcing talent. I have heard some very good stories about local area hosts who work for them because they do a really good job of finding people who have the it factor that makes a good host. And even though they are 10, 12 degrees away from the CEO and the question writer. They're still repping the brand pretty well. They're they're obviously, they're the draw just as much as the format and the name recognition are. And that is so key.
2: I, I think a lot of that is because they have the money to find those people. They have the the money, the time, um, everything it takes. And they can go through a couple of shitty hosts before they do find the good one, Um you know, for me, no, very true there for me and for you. We don't always have that luxury. You know, I, I can't I can't uh interview four or five different people and be like, hey, you know, let's let's try you out. I'm going to pay you to come down here and host a couple rounds, see how it goes. You know, more often than not, when I'm hiring somebody, it's a crapshoot. I have to just find somebody that I trust will be a good fit and give them a shot. And sometimes they're not. And then I get to figure out what to do from there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I know uh, Corey, you and uh, in a more recent sense, me are absolutely kind of struggling with sorting that out as live entertainment is starting to, to broach the surface level here uh, nationally, post quarantine in a lot of states. Um, I know for instance, that you, about a month ago went from not hosting any live shows to being thrust into having to host like four a week. Uh, and obviously that wasn't an ideal circumstance for you. And I still sympathize the hell with you out of it. Uh, but at least based on recent conversation, you found some talent to cover at least some of those shows. Do you want to take a minute and kind of talk us through how that process actually worked and uh, the, the type of people that you were able to find and the pros and cons of the people that you think you're going to have long-term
2: kind of sorting that out for you. No, we don't have enough time. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I, I threw out a wide net just looking for anybody who was interested. Uh, everyone that applied, I gave a phone interview to, um, you know, just kind of reached out, talked to him for a bit, explained what exactly they would be doing, uh, put them on the spot a little bit, said, Hey, you know, you're up there, you're hosting questions that aren't yours. Somebody argues with an answer. What do you do? And I just, uh, like I was alluding to earlier, I, I made a judgment call based on, you know, initial feelings from that first phone interview. And uh, the people that I, I felt were a good fit, I asked them to join me at, you know, one of my nights. Uh, I have them shadow me for one week and then i shadow them one week and then i turn them loose as long as we don't have any issues i would love to be able to you know do more than two two hour training episodes and make sure that people are fully aware of how you know the answer sheets work and the equipment works and what to do if something goes wrong but i i don't have the time or the availability to do that so uh, right now, you know, I've got I've hired four people in the last month and a half. I still have okay. two of them, <laughs> and fingers crossed I mean, that's, that I you keep know, them. If
1: you were an MLB hitter, man, you would be Hall of Fame <laughs> caliber right. if you're batting 500. Fair, uh, unfortunately, you're not, and that sucks. I say, as yeah. someone
2: who used
0: to um manage restaurants for years, um, and trying to find even crew for a restaurant, like. That's actually pretty good because when you're even hiring people to literally take cash from somebody because they're not old enough to work the grill, uh, even sometimes that is hard enough to keep 50%. Like, I would say it's closer to 20 to 30. So to find people that are willing to get up in front of a room and work a room
2: and keep half of them, I'd say you're batting pretty good. That is a valid point with the exception of the fact that a restaurant can... Typically, unless we're talking like a really small one, because I've worked in the industry as well, mm. a server or a cook that no shows is not going to shut the restaurant down. It will continue. But if yeah, I have fair. somebody who, you know, texts me the day that they're supposed to do a show and I, you know, I'm doing something else that day, and they say, "Hey, I got another job offer and I can't work tonight," I'm fucked completely fucked it's a scramble to either find someone to replace them or to see if i can put off my other uh engagement and go host it myself or cancel it for the night and that's always a risk too venues don't like having it canceled because especially right now they're counting on it so uh that has happened to me twice already and it's not very fun Oh, God, no.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely goes to as far as traits that make a good host, at least from the context of hiring one, uh, reliability is honest to goodness. Number one, I would rather have a C minus host that I know is going to be there week in and week out than an A plus host that is so fly by night that I can't rely on them. And usually as an employer, and I hate to use that term because I'm just a dude, you know, uh, but as far as me having to make a decision between those two types of people is concerned, I'm going to have to go with the reliable person every time. Um, To Corey's point earlier about kind of scrambling to find talent, especially at this point in 2020, the year of the worst. uh, I very, very recently and very rapidly have found myself in a situation uh, similar to Corey's where I have I have paying clients. I have clients who I've had on the books professionally for in some cases, as long as seven years. Uh, I just unfortunately lost my primary talent who was the only person I had in the umbrella who was doing weekly shows for me due to a new job that just unfortunately conflicts with the time schedule. Uh, and he let me know and he feels really terrible about it. And obviously I wish him all the best. Uh, he couldn't do this for me forever. And I never expected him to doesn't change the fact that I am fucked. Because uh, I have, at time of recording now, four to five days to sort out talent for two uh, extant weekly shows. I'm also behind the scenes scrambling to figure out talent for two other upcoming shows with previous uh, clients that we've had that we're trying to get back on the books post you know uh, lockdown portion of COVID. And I have taken at least one call in the last week from a new client who's looking to bring us in. And I find myself in a position where I don't have the staff right now. I wish I did, I really do. And I'm also in an awkward position where I have fortunately transitioned into the online space successfully enough that I am trying to find the everybody wins scenario where I can continue putting the online content out and and grow the name of the brand outside of the local market. But at the same time, I don't know if I can do that I almost want to say ethically uh, and be true to myself and what I do if that means I'm sitting here and actively choosing, personally speaking, not to add live entertainment when for 17 years we've been a live entertainment brand. So that sucks.
0: Yeah, that's a rough spot right now because I know that even
1: uh, uh, just as far as that
0: goes, like. I might be able to cover some of those until my venue comes back.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole other thing. A lot of this is all hitting on the same GD night of the week, which means uh, my, my options are even more limited than it seems because I can't put one new great hire in two places at the same time. So because I am in a position now where I think for the first time in a very long time. I have put out a public call to action for people to let me know if they want to work for me. Uh, Jeremy and Corey, help me out. What am I looking for when somebody sends me a message and says, hey, I know things. I could be a trivia host. Uh, I I know what I think I should be looking for, but I'd love to hear from you guys. What what kind of stuff would stand out to you uh, if they came to you uh, personality-wise, trait-wise, character-wise? And like work history, things of that nature, basically teach me how to be an HR rep for my own brand.
2: You know, I was actually going to ask you that question. Um, oh, great. Oh, Neither <laughs> of us know the damn answer <laughs> to this <laughs> one. I, When I'm interviewing people, when I'm talking to them, I'm looking for someone who's quick on their feet. They need to be able to roll with the punches. Uh, they need to be able to work through a problem themselves. And unfortunately, people with that uh, skill set seem to already have better jobs. Um, <laughs> it's been tough. Oh, That's it's, the truth, brother. It's been tough trying to find people like that. And when you do, they don't last long because then they get a new job offer uh, one mm-hmm. week into their employment with you. But I I do think that that's that's one of the most important skills, uh, because things are always going to go wrong when you're hosting somebody else's material, using uh, equipment. You're using internet. You're dealing with drunk people. You're in a venue or a location that you know you're not uh, intimately familiar with, and so being able to to think quickly. And to adapt is definitely a number one uh, skill to have. No,
1: that's definitely a really valid point uh, to that. it's If I get the gist from somebody that I'm considering, and typically, historically, I've always hired people that I knew it to some regard or came in highly recommended from somebody I knew very well and could kind of implicitly trust. So like the one ad route is, is kind of new to me. Uh, but one of the things I know, at least intuitively, I always look for is like you said, the ability to think on your feet, troubleshooting, especially in a technological aspect. Uh, since we're in the 21st century, um, I know your shows and ours don't. They're not as simple as somebody with a microphone and like a guitar style amplifier, uh, reading questions off a cue card and then just grading slips of paper that come back with a pencil. There are there are technological moving parts. You know, we have uh, displays that show questions or or pictures or stuff of that nature Uh, in many cases a lot of audio questions are coming out in a lot of company shows these days and a lot of personal hosts so the ability to equalize a mixer for instance to adjust a volume to handle the gain on a microphone and that's just like audio engineering stuff Uh, when you get into the technological back end a lot of a lot of trivia shows are like you said hosted using online platforms where questions are either being streamed directly to the host device or they're being downloaded on the fly, and there are so many points of failure that you need somebody who intrinsically they don't have to have, you know, like Microsoft certification, but they need to know their way around a computer in most cases. Like, if you're trying to open a file and the damn thing won't open, I can't afford uh, typically to take the time it takes to walk you through the necessary steps to fix what are like entry level tech support problems. So the more that you can bring to the table on that, the more you're gonna help me want to put you in more venues because you're trustworthy. You have a track record of fixing problems on the fly. So as much as that doesn't have to do at all with somebody's personality, it is kinda key. And honestly, it's one of the big reasons that I brought Jeremy under the uh, umbrella of liquid courage a couple of years ago, because I know he knows his stuff when it comes to computers and technology. He's helped me troubleshoot things uh, even before you started working for me. So, Jeremy, I'm going to put you through a job interview right now. We're going to oh, pretend boy. I am trying to hire you to, I don't know, work a live show again. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, and and Corey, you can kind of tag team with me on this and we can decide uh, among ourselves if Jeremy really, truly is a good trivia hire for another company. Sound good? Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do this. All right. So, Jeremy, why why trivia? Uh, what draws you personally to trivia? Uh,
0: for me, it's uh, the fun of the game. Uh, I like uh, testing my knowledge on a uh, wide range of topics. It's a lot of fun to play with a group.
1: Okay, so you, you, you would consider yourself a fair to middling trivia player. That's not a bad place to start from. Um, it helps, obviously, that the host that I'm looking to bring in Uh, can either A, talk confidently about a subject or B, bullshit about it (laughs) and at least sound confident even when they aren't. So I'm going to ask you a question real quick uh, that has to do with a famed French painter who, among other things, uh, painted a lot of ballerinas and Tahitian uh, landscapes. Uh, Do you know who that painter is?
0: Uh, Is this uh, Degas? I'm sorry, Degas?
1: Okay, it is is properly pronounced Degas. (laughs) Uh, for the record. So, um, I, I hate to say that you might get some, some flack back on that. If you were to pronounce it that way, uh, I will do my best for what it's worth, uh, for, for certain names and things that aren't super familiar to throw phonetics in, uh, for you as a host. So I don't leave you kind of out to the lambs on that. Um, but yeah, to, to that point, the confidence to, to pronounce something would be very important. Uh, Corey, what do you think? Any questions? Well, (laughs)
2: this thought experiment is going great well here's the problem i don't think that my host listens to this podcast and i'm hoping that (laughs) the host in mind doesn't although if they do they fucking know so uh one of my hosts is absolutely terrible at pronunciation absolutely terrible um keanu reeves was not. Oh no yeah um and i mean i i definitely i also use a lot of words that can be uh, uh difficult but ones that i wouldn't even think to put a pronunciation guide on there for mm-hmm. uh they've had some trouble with but when this host does run into those issues they're able to play it off uh they they're very witty very quick you know they'll throw themselves under the bus for a laugh um and so they're able to make up for it and that's okay they they played my trivia didn't do super well at it okay but they can host it they can engage and, and so those things are important too. So with all of that work up, uh, Jeremy, if we're going to hire you, I need to know that you can keep people entertained even when things are going wrong. When your internet cuts out and you don't have the questions, what are you going to do to keep 70 drunk people from Leaving. Uh the biggest thing is just keeping them engaged during the show. Um, you know,
0: something comes up where you know I mispronounce something as an example, um, being able to joke about it, not being afraid to make fun of myself on that. Um Work in the room, you know, talking to the teams as I go around, getting to know everybody. Um, just engaging with the crowd, honestly.
1: Yeah, and that, that's a really salient point. I mean, any I, I will say this and I'll say this a little um curtly, I guess. Any idiot can read questions in a bar for money, honestly, and and some and a of, lot them of them can do, even do a passably good job at it. Um, what we are looking for, I, I would assume, as I speak on behalf of Corey, is somebody who's entertaining. This is entertainment at the end of the day. This is not. Uh, it's not the SATs. This is a game show, and you have to go in with that kind of approach. You have to. I don't care what the personality is. I don't care what the frequency is on the dial, but the volume needs to be at a pretty good level. Uh, If your shtick is to be a sarcastic combative asshole, for instance, do it, you know, and don't be apologetic about it. Uh, If your shtick is that, you know, in my case, you're a professional who doesn't understand how he's a professional, do that. Show up to work in sweatpants, joke about it. Things of that nature, have a personality, Lean in strongly to that personality and you may not attract all the viewers that we want and all the players, but you're going to attract some and they're going to rave about you to others and that organic growth is going to pay off in spades.
2: Also, don't forget to talk shit to your players because treating them poorly might cause them to come back three years later and buy the venue and keep you on. Corey pointing out that uh, trivia
1: is in many cases associated with <laughs> Stockholm syndrome.
2: <laughs> I do think
1: that's uh, that's true. All right, so Jeremy, uh, what are your strongest trivia categories? Uh, pop culture,
0: some science, not so much ge- not so much geography. Um, I'm getting better, but that's my that's probably my weak side of it. But uh, yeah, science and uh, pop culture, music. Some history, history in the arts.
1: OK, OK, so Apparently let's I can't talk I can't uh, read television a question and
0: pronounce Degas right or Degas right, because I said Degas <laughs> the one time. Um, but right, so I made for fun the of writer, myself You afterwards. have now mispronounced
1: Degas twice yes. on this podcast. Yes, Degas. Uh, all right. So so let's talk television. Are you a big fan of the TV series How to Get Away with Murder?
0: No, I have never seen it.
1: All right. So if I wrote a question that had to do with. How to get away with murder uh how confident are you that you could at least fake your way through the knowledge knowing the answer in advance pretty good i can fake my way through it
0: if i was really confused i'd probably look up something about it ahead
1: of time all right what if the question as worded was ambiguous and there were two equally acceptable answers and a team vehemently argued for their answer which is technically correct, but you don't know it because you don't have the requisite background knowledge that the writer would have had uh, to to kind of sort out the solution in that case. What would you do?
0: Um, well, first and foremost, luckily, we have this awesome technology at our fingertips called the Internet, uh, and I'd probably look it up really quick uh, just okay. to see if that actually fits. Be like, you know what? I, I haven't seen the show. I know a little bit about it, but let me let me double check that. And if it works, I'll get you the points.
1: All right, that that's definitely not a wrong answer. There, I'll give you that. And that's that's happened to me a bunch. Uh, Corey, any final questions for Jeremy before we decide if we sacrifice him to the Aztec
2: gods of trivia? Absolutely. Jeremy, what do you think of PBR? <sighs> <laughs>
1: PBR. I don't is... know which dead air was better. The, the <laughs> lead into this question. Or Jeremy, just honest to God, trying to figure out the diplomatic answer. And, you know, I'm here for that. What is the diplomatic answer to this question, which definitely has a right answer, but that Corey is definitely wrong about? Uh,
0: PBR is beer and I'll drink it. Well,
1: aren't you just a middle of the road (laughs) centrist?
2: (laughs) We'll give you a
1: shot. All right, uh you got the job. <laughs> yeah, mostly because Corey and I are absolutely backs to the wall right now. Um, you you have reliable transportation, right? Uh
0: yeah, it breaks down every couple of miles. We're good. I have the fixing kit in my trunk. I'm I'm just kidding. Oh lord in heaven.
1: <laughs> All right, Corey, I think we're gonna have to, to bring somebody else in for the back half of this podcast.
2: <laughs> uh you know what? We'll just fake it. We'll we'll uh, yeah. uh practice our falsetto. And, yeah, we got this, dude. We got this. Hold on. Um, hold on. I got this. Genius.
1: There that's you cool. go. That's that's a good Jeremy impression, right? Shut up.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was perfect. Um, There's a story behind, thank you,
1: behind that, by the thank way. Thank you so much for, um, <laughs> for, for participating in this little kind of experiment. Because I think it helped us as hosts kind of, or as owners and hirers try to figure out For ourselves, what are good questions we could ask potential staff members? I know in the case of hiring you, it was more, hey, I know you're a smart guy. Hey, I know you're technologically savvy. Hey, I know you're available. (laughs) Uh, And we kind of went from there. Um, For people who are trying to break into hosting Pub Trivia, but aren't necessarily interested in running their own brand. And there are plenty of people out there who who fit that mold. uh, Do you have any advice for them since you've kind of gone through this process in a different way than corey and i have
0: um i'd say if you are an avid trivia player and you're hanging out shows just and you think that hey this is something i could do uh talk to the host get to know them uh ask if they have any shows that they think that you could host um ask them questions you know what does it take what do you do um what's your process uh How are you good at this? If you think they're good at it, you know, ask them for advice. And then uh, if you're willing and able to do it, uh, you know, like I said, see if they have any openings, see if they have a spot for you, see if you could uh, host their show one night uh, as we had come up here, Uh, you know, write some questions and be like, hey, um, Mm -hmm. are these any good? Do you, uh, you know, do you have a spot for me? Uh, Something like that. I I don't really have any great advice other than like, do it. If you think you'd be a good host, do it.
1: Yeah. And on the other side of that coin, um, and I'll speak for Corey just a little bit on this one. He can correct me if I'm wrong, but we like knowing we have options. I like taking a vacation occasionally. I like making more money and I can't do either of those things if I don't have reliable talent backing me up. And sometimes I don't have reliable talent necessarily backing me up. So knowing that I have bullets in the chamber uh, per se is definitely better than not knowing that. So do not hesitate to reach out to a company or an independent host that you admire and respect. And even if it's just a learning experience for you building your own thing, as long as you go into that with good faith and full expectations that that's what it is, I don't know that there's a good host and owner out there who wouldn't at least give you the benefit of their knowledge and experience, even if it's not in an ownership, uh, hosting context. So we alluded to this a little bit, uh, before the mock interview that, Two of the most important things, at least to us, that a pub trivia host uh, worth their druthers should have, at least now in 2020, is the right personality, some kind of social uh, kinship with other people, uh, and, of course, the ability to to work their way around technology. Corey, I think you might have some thoughts on that.
2: I do. Um, and at the risk of potentially upsetting some of our listeners... Uh, I'm just going to come right out and say it. A lot of people, especially in our generation, you know, we're all uh, early to mid thirties, right? The three of us. Sure. Um, You're generous, but I'll take it. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of people in our generation that are both uh, technologically savvy and socially outgoing as you look to the younger generations you see that a lot because they grew up with tech they grew up with computers and the internet and have literally been formed by it um and i'm seeing that when i interview younger people but people around my age it gets a little bit difficult it gets hard finding those people that can do both that can go out there and be outgoing and entertaining and and also know what they're doing not only technologically but uh just i think that that general mindset that accompanies your your typical trivia player or anyone who's good at trivia in general those weren't the people that were going out and partying and being social and that's tough when you need someone who is both (laughs)
1: No, it, it absolutely is. And it I'm trying, has to come I, almost in equal parts for success.
2: I'm trying to speak very softly so as not to upset uh, those of you that are listening. But I also think, <laughs> but I, I think right. they all understand what I'm saying, too. Yeah.
0: And I also think that you're right where the, um, you know, this might be something is going forward leaning on the younger generation who are. Um, And I I agree with you. Our generation, it was not a cool, socially acceptable thing to be a geek. You were either tech savvy or you had a lot of friends and you were socially outgoing. Um, That is not the case anymore. Uh, And as we're seeing more and more, uh, like I said, you're absolutely right. The uh, this is a thing we need to look towards the younger generation of people who like trivia, who are socially outgoing and who have basically been molded by technology. You know Mm -hmm. we we were there at the onset of the internet (laughs) you know i i wanted a computer that didn't make me popular
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) and i
2: i do want to point Um, out what a difference
1: like half a generation makes right right
2: um i do want to point out really quickly as well uh, just a, a note that there's inevitably going to be people who say well you know not all trivia needs the internet or technology um and granted, there there are a lot of people out there still that are, you know, writing their questions out longhand and they're going, they're hosting, uh, you know, off their notebooks and getting answers back on, with paper and pencil. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've still got venues, or at least I did pre-COVID, that were doing that. You know, they were more or less disconnected. But the host still needs to have some savvy, because you're going to get people that challenge you, and now they're going to be coming up with their smartphones, and they're going to say, look, I've got this source here that says I'm right, and you need to be able to uh, not only type the question into Google and find an answer to uh, either support your answer or to confirm that they're correct, you need to know enough about it to find the correct source find something reliable and usable i i'm explaining this terribly i'm gonna throw it over to you jason i know you've got something to say anyways and maybe you can kind of bring me home on this oh no you explained it really really
1: well there and it just it brought up something else in my mind that i wanted to, to kind of address and it's it's confidence it's not only the confidence to be able to stand by what we as the owners tell you is the right answer, but the confidence to be able to trust in yourself, the ability to make a snap decision on what might be real limited information and a real tight time window and a real kind of tensiony uh, public circumstance where a team is, you know, throwing a smartphone up in your face and saying, Hey, look, I found the source here that says I'm right and you're wrong. And you sometimes have literal moments to decide, okay what's the best course of action here? Should I try to defuse the situation now and address it uh, later when I have more time to do that? uh, Somewhat time necessary research to either be able to defend the answer I have or accept the answer that you have. Uh, And if I'm not capable of doing that, are you going to respect the call that I make on the spot even if you disagree with it? So at least Faking confidence is so key in those moments because they will happen. Uh, A lot of people take pub trivia more seriously than a lot of hosts, which is ironic because a lot of hosts tend to make more money doing pub trivia than even the best players.
0: Yeah, just the the ability to uh, know that sometimes when dealing with facts and writing questions, sometimes the uh, goalposts get moved or raised.
1: Right, Jason? I'm going to I'm going to reach through this discord screen and I'm going to bludgeon you with a mostly full bottle of rum for that reference. Uh, Corey, if you don't know, and we're going to we're going to digress on this for just a moment. I wrote a question uh, for my online game last week that I thought I could stand behind. It was pretty easy uh, as far as research went. And it asks what the height of an NFL goalpost was uh, from the ground at its highest point. And this is something you can look up in the NFL r- rule book. You can just Google search NFL goalpost height and you can find 30 sources on the first few pages that say it's 30 feet from top to bottom. But when you do it in a live context last week, uh, somebody will point out that, hey, it looks like a couple of years ago, they actually raised the height of the goalposts 10 feet. And then you go in. And you find that, well, yeah, they sure did a couple of years ago. So I'm going to accept your answer. But I pulled the actual uh, 2020 edition of the NFL rule book and did a search for the regulation on it. And this year, which hasn't officially started yet, <laughs> they added another five damn feet to the goalpost. So I ended up accepting three very different answers. Actually, no, I take that back. I accepted one answer and then retroactively disaccepted it because it wasn't current information. And then I had to accept a third answer because it depends on your interpretation of what constitutes the most accurate information for a season that hasn't officially started yet, but is just about to.
2: That's fair. Because, I mean, so you to that could... point, his <laughs> name is Edgar Degas. You could definitely argue that, you know, if the question is, what is the height, then that would be currently, uh, which would mean the last season and the new height won't take effect until the new season starts, I assume.
1: Yeah, but I would definitely understand a team interpreting that as, oh, he's asking a question about a rule change that happened this year because he's talking about currently and we're in preseason now. But also sports are weird because we're under quarantine and I just have opinions on this man <laughs> I <laughs> and i
0: do. but no i just brought that up to the drill the point home of what you were talking about though of like having to do it on the fly like sometimes as a host you have to be able to do that and you did gracefully even though we joke about it afterwards you handled it very well that could have yeah. That could have gone so many different ways with things like that but you handled it well and that was the point
1: And it is obviously an important uh, thing to address when it comes to other hosts is can you make a ruling and can you accept that you're wrong and gracefully make the decision that even if it isn't popular, you feel right about. Uh, I think we've pretty much pulled everything meat wise that we are off these bones. Corey, any final words? I really just want to
2: mention that there is so much that goes into finding and or being a good host that we weren't even able to touch on that i really hope nobody's like oh that's all they care about um it's insane how many different things you have to look at and take into consideration and and work with um so I i just want them to keep that in mind and also know that different skill sets and different personalities can make up for not having some of the uh, characteristics that we have discussed here. I mean, genuinely, I don't know. No matter how well somebody looks on paper or how well they did in an interview, I don't know if they're a good host until they're actually up there hosting. And a lot of people could surprise you.
1: No, very, very well said. It's not one job. It's like wearing 10 hats simultaneously and if you can look good doing about six of them, you can fake the other three or four and be a good, if not great, host. Yeah, sure. I mean,
0: it's not like a blanket. This is the only way to do it. These are just some good starting points. These are some good uh, things that we've learned over the years, basically that uh, you know we like to see uh, when we're either out playing or if we're hosting things. We try to you know make our shows better with. Um, with that said, I mean, there's plenty of examples out there of somebody not being super energetic, but their crowd loves them.
1: You know what? Maybe. Yeah, you can have like a yeah. Ben Stein personality and make that friggin' sell. That could be your thing, frankly. Um, yeah, I, I definitely it's all about think being authentic and
2: good. I definitely think that uh, whatever personality you bring to a venue, the people looking for that personality are going to go to that venue. You know, a lot of the trivia hosts that I've seen on Twitch or met through the co-op, their players would not come to my shows. So that's the other thing. What makes a good host at a third degree show might not be a good host at, you know, Liquid Courage or at Riddle Me This or Baron Von Trivia, which I love. And I'm still guys... a little sour about <laughs> And, and if you guys know how we could be
1: better hosts, please absolutely send that advice to jaygiggles at
2: gmail.com. So I did. Are you look guys at ready that. to write some trivia? Jay Giggles is taken. It is because right I on. looked it up at one
0: point. <laughs> so you didn't
2: grab it.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. You should have been a little faster on the draw there, uh, buddy. Did you beat me to it? By about a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Also, please don't email jgiggles at gmail.com. I have no idea who that is. I was just joking.
0: Uh, But no, you can Uh, uh, email us. uh, Let me just put this really quick. You can email us at quadriapod at gmail.com with uh, your advice, Uh, your uh, things you've seen over the years, stories that you've seen from hosts, good or bad.
2: Um, Yeah, maybe we'll read some of them. All right. Jason, you want to tell us about the keyword challenge? I really don't. I feel like I do it every time I'm here. Corey, tell us about the keyword challenge. Which one? Which keyword challenge? Yeah, I'm trying this thing now where like if I act really dumb or act like I don't know how to do something, people won't ask me how to do it or to do it. So, ah, yeah. Yeah, I think it makes for golden podcast radio, though. So fuck. All right. Corey, Uh, tell us about the keyword challenge. Well, I'd love to. Uh, The keyword challenge is something we do here every week. We have a keyword that was submitted to us by a random listener. And we are going to take that keyword and write a trivia question that uses that keyword specifically. Uh, It will either be in the question itself or in the answer. We have 10 minutes to do so. And if you two are ready, I will tell you what the word is. The keyword tonight is metonym. Metonym. That's courtesy of Rick Pritchett in isolation. Metonym. And we'll see you guys on the other side of this break.
1: Hey, everyone. Jason here. While the host and I step away to think about our keyword challenge, we just wanted to remind you, you can check us out online at Quadrivia Pod on Twitter. On Facebook, just search for Quadrivia Podcast. And you can always email us at quadriviapod at gmail.com. We're always happy to hear from you. And now, back to the show.
0: All right, we are back from a grueling 10 minutes of uh, coming up with a question here for each of us. Uh, so, Corey, throwing the keyword challenge to you first, what did you come up with for Metonym?
2: All right. Well, I I went a little verbose on this one. Um, I think it's something that that'll play well as long as I've got a screen to throw it up on. Uh, good luck, you guys. Okay. Metonymy, or a metonym, is when you use something related to an object to refer to that object, such as when you say the White House released a statement today referring to the executive branch or the president as the White House. It's very similar to, but shouldn't be confused with, what other word that might make you think of Adele, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and the death of a salesman? Okay, so you went the
1: language route on this one. I would absolutely swing and a miss on this at Pub Trivia. Jeremy, do you have any thoughts on this one?
0: No, I'm kind of in the same boat. Even looking at this now, it's uh, this is a good question. But without being able to like talk it over with a team, I don't know if I would come up with this.
1: So if, if my slight pre-search on this uh, yields fruit, I think that you're making at least one pop culture reference to a city in New York named Schenectady. And that leads me to a word I would never be able to spell if my life depended on it. That sounds very similar. That's used in language and
2: metaphor and it's synecdoche. Synecdoche. Uh, Synecdoche New York is the title of uh, Charlie Kaufman's directorial debut. I think. Um, And it starred Philip Seymour Hoffman and okay. his love interest uh, or his wife. I think she was his wife was named Adele. So I kind of threw that in both of those names in there as a hint, but also kind of a red herring because obviously people are going to think of the singer, not the character in the movie. But yeah, that—that uh, that is a clever uh, swerve on that pop culture reference for sure. And and he had just in the movie he had just uh, produced the death of a salesman, uh, so yeah, I I just took like okay, some little pieces. Okay, so what you're saying is, and... I I asked, stumbled
1: on the right answer the wrong way. Yeah, because <laughs> I really I when I saw Death of a Salesman and having the concept of like Schenectady just running in my head, I'm like that that was that feels upstate New Yorkish, doesn't it? And I might have been confusing it with a Neil Simon play because uh, "Lost in Yonkers" is very good.
2: That's
1: fair. And it turns out, <laughs> if you are lost in Yonkers, you're probably nowhere near Schenectady, which isn't even the damn answer to this question, <laughs> anyway.
0: Let's see what I That's think. Of Neil Simon, right. I think uh, Brighton Beach, the Brighton Beach memoirs. So, <laughs> way off.
1: Yeah. I'm an oddball like that. For some reason, when I think Neil Simon, it, it's Lost in Yonkers that comes to me. And it's probably just because that's the only one I've ever seen performed. Okay. Uh, I've talked to a bunch of people in the trivia world. And like the the Pavlov connection that they have to Neil Simon works is absolutely Brighton Beach. I'm just the oddball that way. Uh, that said, I would have loved to see Philip Seymour Hoffman in Death of a Salesman. <laughs>
2: that's
1: fair. Yeah. Alright, So that was, you, you went the, the grammatical route on that one, which I didn't see any of us taking. And I certainly didn't go that route either. So let me throw my question at you here real quick. Okay. What TV series which earned 17 Emmys during its run from 1999 to 2006 is named for the part of a famous home, which includes among other functional rooms, a pool and a view of a pretty nice garden. The use of the name is fitting both in a setting sense, and considering its use as a metonym for the subject matter of the acclaimed series.
0: Okay, I definitely think I know this one. I'm like 99% sure, but
2: I'll let uh, Corey... Yeah, I think that the times line up here. Well, Jeremy, we'll just pretend we're sitting at a table on a team here. Is this the that Playboy Mansion show?
0: No, I'm pretty sure this is the West Wing.
2: Okay, well... I guess that's I, also I a wish. famous <laughs>
0: house. <laughs> um, I, I, I yeah, wish.
1: No question about the Playboy Mansion. Um, <laughs> well, like, I wish that that were a show that I'm not confident exists no, outside
2: the, of Corey's mind. But oh no, no, knock it off. There, there was. It uh, was the uh, my Playboy Several the sisters. sisters. The one in
0: yeah, Chicago. Maybe. Okay.
2: Know. Okay. All right. Yeah, you
1: know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take your word for that. You are the connoisseur of these things, relative <laughs> oh, yeah. to us. But yeah, no, I... that's uh that is Aaron Sorkin's. I would argue, uh, not best show, but the one people like the most, The West Wing.
2: You know, and despite my uh, pretty strong pop culture connection and knowledge, and my love of Aaron Sorkin, I haven't seen The West Wing. So I probably I have should. seen,
1: and I've seen every episode of Sports Night and The Newsroom. Uh, multiple times I am I think three views through on both of those series they are just I peak yeah television for me I've seen one episode of the West Wing really yeah I
2: love the news yeah. couldn't
0: get into it I don't know why I didn't watch the West Wing until this past year or so because uh, it's on Netflix and I feel like I sorely missed out like when it was when it was live It is a great show. Maybe
1: the pilot didn't do it for me because I started at episode one with Rob Lowe. And I know that they have done some absolutely compelling television. I know uh, their episode that released like uh, two weeks after the 9-11 attacks is considered one of the best TV episodes of the 21st century. And it was really important at the time uh, for what messages it kind of passed on to the American people. That said, I... I don't know why it didn't do it for me. Maybe there weren't enough uh, quick, like witty zingers and neurotic uh, executive producers because that's what does it for me. I'm not an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk guy. I'm an Aaron Sorkin fast talking witty repartee guy. And
0: that's how the show gets. That first episode is nothing like the rest of the show. It's really weird.
1: Well, I will concede that I am not the Aaron Sorkin stan that I thought I was.
2: Jeremy, Uh, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you a question about your question, actually. Um, Oh, that thing we do? Sure. Yeah. Um, And first of all, I want a disclaimer. I didn't think that that Playboy Mansion show won 17 Emmys. I just wasn't quite sure. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) it could have been daytime Emmys. I don't fucking know. I'm telling you, costume design, you can get a ton of Emmys if you do your job right. Right. Um, So, view of a pretty nice garden. Was that uh, thrown in as kind of a a reference to recent news or just randomly?
1: No, not... Not specifically, here's here's the thing. And I'll walk you through the process very briefly. Uh, So I looked up on Wikipedia because Wikipedia is all things to all trivia hosts. It has lists of everything you ever need lists for. And it has an article for lists of metonyms. So during the keyword challenge, I was just kind of going down through them and I tried to find one that I could have a a non straight hook into. And I thought I had one until I scrolled towards the end and saw West Wing as a metonym, of course, for um, the executive like senior function of the federal government. And I'm like, oh, there was a halfway decent show about that. Uh, So that's my my pop culture in on that one. I spent a good amount of time during our window trying desperately and failing to figure out how many damn rooms are in the West Wing. And I don't I I couldn't find a source on it. I found uh, a couple floor plans and I could have sat there and counted all the rooms, but that was going to be spurious at best. So I needed some other way to mention that it was part of a big house without saying that. So I ended up going with the wording, you know, part of a famous home. And then I wanted almost as a red herring, a couple things you don't necessarily associate with, you know, the executive offices. They have a pool on like the first floor of the West Wing. Uh, and as I was going through the floors, you know, a big... Icon showed up on the floor plan that said Rose Garden. And I'm like, yeah, no, I guess it really, really overlooks the Rose Garden. Might as well throw that in. Jeremy, what do you have for me? All right. Um,
0: I think this works. It was one I went back and forth on, but uh, I, I pulled it from another reference that I had heard in the past in uh, Trivia. So here's my question Washington, Hollywood, the Kremlin, and 10 Downing Street are just four examples of real places but are also used as a figure of speech known as a metonym. With that in mind, what would I be talking about if I asked you to tell me what the highest court in the land is referring to, if not for the Supreme Court?
2: <laughs> I like that because I've used it recently.
1: I like it because I've also written it. And I could be wrong, but I think it's made an appearance on this podcast before. I, I feel... I it think might I have... have. I think I used I that. I think when the keyword was the Supreme Court, as a matter of fact. <laughs> or at the very least, it got
2: brought up. No, I'm I'm pretty sure that, that I actually, I wrote that for... No, it wouldn't have been the Supreme Court, because that was just a few weeks ago uh, with Aaron. But I think mm-hmm. around, like, episode two or three, maybe I used it when I was hosting it, or I don't know. But yeah, I'm pretty sure, like you said, that it's been... Uh, Uh, used on the show i've used a variant of this question i wrote a
1: couple years ago that basically asks uh broadly speaking what uh activity would you expect to find at the upper level of the u.s supreme court building which is both surprising considering who's typically in the building and also apropos considering its nickname or, or something along those lines
2: all right without dancing around this anymore Uh, for those of you listening who were not aware of it, the answer is a basketball court.
1: And by all accounts, uh, the primary reason that you can't get video recording inside the Supreme court, I believe is because Ruth Bader Ginsburg has such mad hops that she doesn't want to put the rest of the justices (laughs) to shame.
2: That's definitely Canon. Uh,
1: in general, I like it. I like the connection to metonyms. I like the explanation baked into what a metonym is, uh, because this is not common knowledge. Uh, grammar nerds and like hyper trivia buffs will know that, but uh, casual pub trivia goers, you couldn't necessarily expect them to understand what a menitim was without uh, giving them a couple examples to where they go, oh, I get what they mean. So I appreciate that you both kind of put those in. I'm a dick and didn't in my question. Yeah, that's how you roll. And
2: An interesting discussion topic here. And I I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. The highest court in the land would be a metonym. No, I don't think it's a metonym at all. Actually, I was going to say, I I think that it would be if uh, it was used to actually talk about the Supreme Court. But I don't think it's one. Yeah, it kind of has a backdoor
1: entry point. You could refer to the Supreme Court in a metonymic sense to refer to the judicial branch of the government. Well, the reason I don't so, think it's a
2: metonym is because uh the highest court in the land as an object is not a it's not a thing that is related to the Supreme Court. It's just a nickname for the I, Supreme Court.
0: I guess, but when you hear that, what do you automatically think of? Is kind of where I was going with it. Oh no, yeah, yeah like for said, sure. I, it's kind of shifty. Like when you say, "Oh no, it's, it's they're taking it to the highest court in the land." Well, that's the Supreme yeah. Court.
1: Yeah, um, I, but- I think that you could get away with it in ninety percent of use cases, <laughs> but if you have somebody with a doctoral thesis in medicine oh yeah, no, um, <laughs> just just Metonomy. accept that that you you wrote a good, not great example.
2: Yeah, and, and I, oh, I'm that's not, fair. Uh, uh, that's not attacking it as a keyword uh, challenge question. I just meant uh, uh, specifically just so listeners don't get confused. Um, but I mean, as a general wordplay or fun with words, it absolutely works. And I like it mostly because I like mm-hmm. the highest court sure. in the land and, reference. <laughs> yeah. And remember,
1: Jeremy, uh, you might be your own worst critic on this. Uh, we are your own worst critic on this, but we're going to let the audience decide who actually wrote uh, their favorite question. Uh, and the way you can do that is by going to quadriviapodcast.com. The poll for this episode will be posted whenever I yell at Corey to post it immediately after this episode has been released. A uh, huge shout out to Corey, by the way, who handles all of our web infrastructure at this point, the keyword challenges are uh, under his purview and he is the reason we don't know who's actually won any of them we just assume (laughs) he's baking the numbers
2: as a matter of fact well i'll wait i'll wait for the big reveal you know uh when i've got a good time to do so but i have been tracking the stats so
1: oh this uh, can't possibly be good for any
2: of us it is for me
1: You guys can't see it in uh, podcast land, but we're on video chat and he used giant air quotes when he said tracking the stats.
2: (laughs) Anyway, Jeremy, just keep in mind that we're being so critical of you (laughs) as I choke on air. We're being so critical of you because we're considering you uh, for a position within our company. This is just part of the hiring process. (laughs) Yeah, writing trivia questions is hard, and
1: Corey and I are real tired of doing it. So why don't you write a round for us, and we can judge you harshly for it.
0: All right, well, I hope uh, that last question was sufficient enough to lead into this then, because I am throwing one of, you, one of my uh, theme games at you guys, one of my
1: theme rounds. Ooh, what okay. kind of theme are we dealing with here?
0: Well, if I told you that, you wouldn't be able to figure it out.
1: It's a mystery, a mystery theme, theme, you say. Yep. Ooh. All right, this has come up... Uh, with other hosts on this channel or on this show before, how do you do a mystery theme?
0: Um, There's two ways. Usually if I'm doing a mystery theme, it'll be nine questions. And then the 10th question will be something like this one's going to be, which is what are the nine previous answers I'll have in common? Or um, my 10th question would be something along the lines of with the answers to the last 10 questions in mind, what would be the best answer for this question that would fit that theme?
1: Okay, so knowledge of the theme is requisite to get the final question.
0: Yes. So I always tell people, at least my shows, to, you know, on your whiteboard, uh, when we're using whiteboards, was to just keep track of the 10 answers. Or on a piece of paper, something. Keep track of the 10 answers, or the nine answers, I'm sorry, because you're going to need those for the last question.
1: All right, fair enough. I just wanted uh, us and the listeners to know what we were getting into. Uh, Corey, put that big brain beard on, and let's see if we can power our way through a mystery theme courtesy of Jay Giggles. It's All right.
2: You know what I want to see? I want to see James Spader doing Aaron Sorkin. Not, not sexual. I feel <laughs> like he has. And that's the thing. Cause I know factually he has not, but boy, does that feel like it's happened? If it needs to, I mean, go watch Boston legal and then go watch the newsroom and tell me, that any other actor writer combination would work better like uh, they were made for each other and I want to know why they have oh, an you ain't wrong each in this other. I'm
1: thinking like Blacklist era uh James Spader and that would be a really interesting type of character not you know the the background and the the actual character but the personality of that character dropped into the West Wing I'd watch that damn show.
2: See, I was thinking more like uh, the way Sorkin writes some of his his uh, diatribes and the ways uh, Spader presents them in shows like uh, Boston Legal when he's up there presenting in front of the, the judge and, you know, going off on his rants. I just I I feel like they are a perfect match.
0: And according this is to all I've Internet, been thinking about for the last 10 have... minutes. <laughs> A lot of people agree with you because I looked up, has James Spader done anything with Aaron Sorkin? And the answer is no. But there are tons of different forums and Reddit and all these different websites with comments, people saying, how have they not done anything together? All right.
1: All right. I I feel validated in this awkward ass post point digression. Jeremy, ask us questions, (laughs) please. All
0: right. This is your theme round. See if you guys can figure it out. Question number one. While only being introduced in November of 2019, what is the more common title given to the Disney Plus character, The Child, becoming an internet sensation and one of the top memes of
1: the year?
2: Uh, I've got a lock on this one, Jason. I do too. Uh, We'll
1: we'll give the listeners a couple seconds to mull it over, of course. But as I'm going to do one of these things on camera for you, Corey, so you know that we are on the same wavelength. Yeah. Uh, Did they meet a little girl down in Dagobah? Or whatever weird Al saying about Yoda, and in this case, Baby Yoda. Baby
0: Yoda would be your uh, answer to that one. Are you sure it's not Moana?
1: All right. <laughs> Fuck, I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> no. Damn, I did the I did the wavelength thing, Corey. I You're know supposed to I be just, simpatico
2: on that. I thought that you you changed it. Like the the tap was a change. I don't know. I don't read that.
1: No, no. Bear in mind that I'm often thinking about Lin-Manuel Miranda. He is my personal bae. Uh, So if you got Moana Moana from that, that was coincidental at best.
2: That's fair. All right. right. Yes, no. I was with you on Baby Yoda, by the way.
0: All right. Question number two. In what film would you find the following three actors? Richard Attenborough, B.D. Wong, and
1: Wayne Knight. I did not think I was going to get this until that third name came in. But I feel pretty sure on this. Corey, any thoughts from you? Oh, yeah. No, um,
2: if I said, ah, 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 does that, uh, <laughs> does that, yeah, does no, that is I, that any we're, tapping we're
1: my head? I, I think we're doing the forehead tap on okay. that one. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. Newman. yeah.
0: Jurassic Park. That would be Jurassic Park. Ah, ah, ah. You didn't say the magic words.
1: Ah, ah, ah. You bet Jurassic can be Jurassic Park.
0: (laughs) All right. Question number three. You guys are two for two so far. What U.S. government bureau was created July 26, 1947, when Harry S. Truman signed the National Security Act into law?
1: I'm going to go into this with the understanding that I do not see what the mystery theme is yet. So I don't have anything floating around in the back of the mind at this point, but I will say this to you, Corey. This stinks to high heaven, of
2: a douchey trick question. I could see that. I mean, just I, knowing my, knowing the host, uh, I would lean into the NSA. Which I assume is what you really were...
1: my first and strongest thought goes to the NSA. That said, this could be a swerve. It could be the CIA because the OSS was the precursor to that. And I think that that discontinued in the 40s.
2: Yeah, I genuinely have no so idea. Yes. Guess... Well, wait, are you... but this is a mystery theme. You're not supposed to be giving us the answers. Because we've got to try yeah, and no, put them all the together answers. at the end.
0: Oh, well, I mean, you're I getting the answers. You have to put them together.
1: So with that said, I, I, I'm I'm retconning here because it's not exactly a douchey trick question in the traditional sense because the yeah. NSA is the National Security Administration. Yeah. So I really do think it's the CIA at this point. If you're comfortable locking in on that, I am just comfortable enough to put it down on the paper or the board or the app. Yeah, I'm OK with that. All right, so I think we're going to lock in with the uh, Central Intelligence Agency, or CIA. And you would be correct. The CIA is what was created
0: by the uh, National Security Act in 1947. Okay.
1: In- Interestingly for the metagame here, Corey, he didn't call it the Central Intelligence Agency. He called it the CIA. Let's keep that in mind. Okay.
0: All right. Going into question number four, then. And this was the the kind of gimme in the round for everybody, because if you don't know this, I'd be very surprised. Um, question number four is, in what fictional city would you find the characters of Fred, Wilma, Barty and Betty? Uh,
2: do we, we don't even need to tap our heads here, right? No, I've got the theme okay. song running through my head. OK, so it's, it's
1: Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family from, from the, the town of Springfield. He's about to hit a chestnut tree, right? That's the one. <laughs> Oh no, that's the Simpsons. Um, that was their swerve. Yeah. This is bedrock. It is bedrock.
0: Correct. All right. Question number five. See how well, you know, your, uh, pop culture here. What television personality who hosted a popular talk show from 1991 through 2018 also has lawyer, actor, musician and mayor of Cincinnati on his long resume.
1: I had one or two thoughts in mind until that last clue. Uh, Corey, is this something that you are personally familiar with? The TV star slash former Cincinnati mayor? No. Okay. Uh, that said, what kind of guess would you throw out there? I don't want to steal
2: all the thunder on this one. I'm actually a little bit embarrassed here. because I, I feel if it's a popular talk show from 91 to 18, that should be something that is going to come to mind. But all I'm thinking is, is late night hosts who would be, I don't know. Fair enough. This is not late night
1: though. This is daytime talk show and the use of a talk show is Uh. very loose (laughs) here uh, because it is in fact, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. It is Jerry Springer. I did know he was a lawyer.
2: (laughs) I I did not know that he was a musician or a mayor.
0: Yep. Uh, and when I asked no, this I the show, I didn't know he was a
2: musician. Yeah.
0: When I asked the show, I think at least half my team's put Maury.
2: Yeah.
1: I could see. Because the daytime about. talk
0: show host for like years and years and years.
1: Yeah. Huh. I thought Maury okay. Povich was the guy that didn't count when you saw a famous celebrity in New York. Because everybody <laughs> sees him.
2: That's fair. <laughs> All
1: right. So, Corey, just to recap, uh, we are five answers in. And if there is a mystery theme, I don't see it
2: yet. Nah, no, I'm. I'm... Going over these answers over and over, and I'm I'm still gone. All right, going into question number six. What product,
0: originally introduced in France in 1903, was made popular in the culinary world in 1911 when the company Tobler began wrapping its chocolate bars in it? Tobler created
1: Toblerone, but I don't think that's the answer here. Well, the Toblerone bar isn't that wrapped in, like, gold foil? But that would have been introduced long before
2: 1903. Did they also do Ferrero Rocher? Like, it could be wrapped in the sense of, you know, crushed up cashew nuts on the outside or or hazelnut or whatever. Um,
1: Now, that'd be wrapping it in a chocolate bar, though,
2: instead of wrapping its chocolate bars in it. Well, no, if they're on the outside. Well, I guess, no, it doesn't have to. So it could just be something like aluminum foil or plastic or something you, without, you know, without aluminum foil makes dates, more but, sense to yeah. me than
1: gold foil does yeah because aluminum was real hard to extract until like the mid to late 19th century it was incredibly expensive until around then and it is definitely popular in the culinary world
2: but was the foil introduced in 1903 would that would that line up actually i it, think it does it doesn't not line up yeah
1: i'm i'm okay with saying uh, aluminum you know foil. yeah and, and because I just realized what the mystery theme is, let us, let us say aluminum foil. I am confident on behalf of our ad hoc team here.
0: All right, you're correct. It was aluminum foil. There were other types of foil and wrapping papers and things before that, but the actual aluminum foil came around in 1903.
1: And, and to our one listener in the UK, hi, by the way, uh, aluminum would have also been acceptable, although we would have laughed.
0: <laughs> All right, going into question seven then. Originally founded as a Spanish colony in 1706, what city is the biggest in its state and also served as the backdrop to the hit
1: AMC show Breaking Bad? I am 100% locked on this for multiple reasons.
2: I I know it, but it would take probably 30-45 seconds to pull it out of me. I've watched the show several times. I can picture it, but... To, to be fair, Corey, it of... would
1: take uh, 30 to 45 seconds just to write the answer to this question. And that's not you. It's just a long ass
2: city name. Uh, Albuquerque. Jason's right. It is Albuquerque. Thank you. New Mexico. Yeah, I would have had to sit there and like play around. I knew that Breaking Bad was in New Mexico and yeah, uh, appreciate that. So oh, I think from oh, there I would have gone down to,
1: oh, crap. Is it Santa Fe or
2: Albuquerque? And yeah. I've got the uh, theme, and that makes uh, your earlier performance yeah, a lot funnier. A thing
1: happened. I will concede that a thing happened, but let's get to the grand reveal. Yeah,
2: let's do
0: it. All right, go to the question number eight. What popular e-commerce website, headquartered in San Jose, California, was founded by Pierre Omidyar in 1995? And is now ranked as the number eight top rated workplace according to Indeed.
1: Indeed, it's ranked as the number eight top rated workplace, huh? Uh, that is what my research showed. I was just making a, a dumbass reference to the name of the source being Indeed.
2: Indeed. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm 85, 95 well, percent sure on this, just th- from uh, the theme. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll. Throw uh, but it to without
1: you. that, uh, the e-commerce website takes you to maybe. Three yeah. viable answers and this one uh being founded in nineteen ninety-five by not Jeff Bezos yeah, right? <laughs> gets you to eBay. Uh, that's yeah.
2: where I was yep.
0: too. And that's exactly right, it's eBay. Yeah, there's a couple of ways into that one. Um if you know the guy's name who started it, that would help you. But um yeah, it's not Jeff Bezos, so you just limited it down. And if you figured out the theme, then it makes it that much easier because it could really only be one. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm.
1: It really can. And this
0: is where I like to write my theme rounds is uh, the questions sometimes can get a little bit harder, but if you figured out the theme, they get that much easier because it narrows it down to what the answer could be. But going into question nine before the reveal, according to a 2012 study done at Ohio State University, what specific population of people has grown to an estimated 251,000 in North America after seeing an unexpected uptick in growth?
1: I mean, is it really unexpected, all things considered?
0: I guess now I know that we're in the apocalypse, but this was written before that. Yeah, right.
1: So But I mean, just in general, there there's not a lot to do when you're a part of this population of people, Jeremy. You, you yeah, banging's an option. <laughs> it, it gets you it gets you through the summer because you're making furniture, you're raising barns, and <laughs> you're making more Amish people. And you are. And I don't feel ashamed for making that disparaging reference because I guarantee the Amish, not a strong podcast demographic. (laughs) You know, you're
0: probably right. Yeah, you're probably right on that one. And it is the Amish. So then question number 10. (laughs) All right, bring it home, cowboy. What do the previous nine questions all have in common? As Jason alluded to... Really early on by accident.
1: As as Jason once again accidentally doofed a future answer with a dumbass reference on an original question as I tried to jokingly sing the answer to number (laughs) one uh, using the lyrics of Weird Al Yankovic's song, Yoda. Uh, It somehow still took me six damn questions to see the connection. Corey got there, I think, one question after me, but we're both on the same page. I don't think we need to bury this lead. These are all references to Weird Al Yankovic songs. Yeah,
0: that they are.
2: And they're all specifically in the as he pointed out.
0: And this was one of those uh, situations I talked about in the past where Things that are necessarily in my wheelhouse are not in other people's. This played about a fifty mm. to sixty percent.
1: Really, that's you know that's not bad for a mystery theme. Yeah. In all honesty, that's kind of right in the the meat of the bell curve that you want to be. Uh, it's you picked enough known Weird Al references. I would say uh, specifically Amish there and burying that at number nine was a really good idea. Yeah um yoda i would argue is one of his better known songs and putting that at the beginning you you anchored this really well uh and as a bit of a weird owl fan the only song connection i'm not currently making is the cia i don't recall what song that is
0: yo and at the time when i wrote this i heard that song that's what made me think of it and now i don't remember the song either like it's just it's escaping (laughs) me right now but at the time i was listening to some weird owl for some reason like that was the songs i'm like ooh, i could do a weird owl theme
1: um
2: yoda was his parody of lola go ahead uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go through these after you're done uh it was from Apocalypse. it was yeah. the uh party in the usa parody that's right party, party in the CIA. the cia that's right
1: that's that's what it is because yoda is from the kinks lola jurassic park is from macarthur park uh the artist of which I, i'm blanking on uh the cia we just mentioned bedrock anthem was kind of a mashup of Red Hot Chili Peppers connections. It was Under the Bridge and Give It Away. Jerry Springer, I definitely know he did a song about, but I don't remember uh, one week. if it was uh, a parody. It was, it was one was week. It, uh... Oh, it was a parody of one week, yep. okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was an original. Aluminum Foil, the song is Foil, and that uh, is a play on Lords Royals. Albuquerque was an original song, and it's like 11 damn minutes long. Ah, uh, eBay was a Backstreet Boys connection to I Want It That Way. And of course, uh, his uh, famously maligned cover of Gangsta's Paradise.
0: <laughs> or Amish that
2: Paradise. correct?
1: Yes. Maligned exclusively, A Little, by Coolio. <laughs> it is, if I remember my Weird Al lore, it is the only song that uh, was a straight up parody of another song that Weird Al released that the artist didn't explicitly consent to the release of.
2: Yeah, it wasn't the story that he uh Al was told that he had permission and then later found out that it was like Coolio's agent gave permission but not something like that. Like it it just it got a little messy in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, it was
1: something along that line. It was a little bit of a game of telephone. It was either the uh, label or his agent or somebody who gave Weird Al permission on Coolio's behalf, but Coolio wasn't in the loop on that. Uh, and and to Coolio's credit, that was kind of an important song in '90s hip hop and and oh, yeah. black culture for for the statements it was making. It's it's part of the big reason that some uh, Michael Jackson songs didn't get the green light to be parodied by Weird Al, notably Black or White. Uh, I think Weird Al had wanted to do like an Oreo based. Parody on that, really? and Michael Jackson said, "No, this this song is just its message is too important to be parodied." And hmm. Weird Al, to his credit, absolutely respects that. There are songs that he has written and done live, but never recorded and released because the original artist wasn't about it. I think, and this will be the last of your Weird Al lore, hopefully for the night. Uh, that he was gonna do a cover of Paul McCartney's "Live and Let Die," and it chicken was supposed to be pie. chicken pot pie. Yep. Uh, but Paul, you know, being a, a pretty famous outspoken vegetarian said, yeah, yeah, don't don't do that, mate. Um, he does do it live occasionally, but he's never released it out of respect.
2: Well, on we that note, are nerds. Yes, we are. And on that note, uh, tune in next week when we will have special guest Weird Al recording with us we absolutely probably won't unless <laughs> he is
1: remarkably cheap and very flexible on cameo all
0: right well you guys could find us at quadriviapod at gmail.com shoot us an email let us know what you think uh shoot us a message uh we have one to read on the next uh podcast as we're in a little bit long so we'll hit that hit on that one next time for sure um you can find us on twitter at quadriviapod uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash quadriviapod, and at quadriviapodcast.com, where you can go to vote on the keyword challenge. Uh, with that said, I am Jeremy with Liquid Courage. You can find me on uh, Twitch at twitch.tv slash lkjeremy, or on Twitter at
1: jerwg. I'm Jason, also with Liquid Courage Entertainment. I run the Twitch channel, twitch.com slash liquid underscore courage. Courage was with a K. And uh, for the brief periods of time that I am not actively streaming,
2: I am probably crying alone in my bathtub. And I am Corey. I am apparently getting worse at outros and transitions every week. You can find me on... Facebook, just search for third degree entertainment, you'll see my little owl theo, that's the right page or you know just find me there. That's that's where I'll talk to you.
1: Yeah, just stalk him on Facebook. That's all he's really asking.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, nothing else really matters. Hold
1: on. I've got this, guys. Are you ready? Oh shit. We're going to buck the trend.
2: Can I take a deep breath?
1: Yeah. <sighs> We absolutely probably won't unless he is <laughs> remarkably cheap and very flexible on Cameo.
2: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They, uh... Oh, shit. Damn it. I always
1: forget that part. We have to do some plugs before we go by. Uh, that, would, that would have been great if we had done the plugs. Uh... <laughs> that was Perfect. Like oh, that. this is how we suck at outros. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, you guys can find us at Quadrimiapot.com.